With the world becoming increasingly unpredictable when it comes to your family's health, proactivity is key. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit contains eight essential medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, and z Rest easy knowing that their chief medical team, including Dr. Peter McCullough, stand behind every kit. Visit twc.health slash Prager. Use the promo code Prager for an exclusive 10% discount. Don't take chances. Secure your family's health today with The Wellness Company. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hi, everyone. Dennis Prager here. I played this the third hour of my show. Many of you don't get to hear the third hour or would like to hear it again or some other reason, but that's how important I consider what I said at the Arizona State Legislature two days ago, braving the 119-degree heat uh, to get into the legislative uh, room, which uh, was quite warm despite it being air-conditioned, because it was full, both with legislators and with participants and spectators. I consider this among the most important talks I ever gave, and you will understand why, and I will tell you as soon as it is up on the Internet, because I will ask you to forward it to people. 37 professors, by some, by one count, 34. My count was 34. Ann Atkinson, the woman whose job was, she was relieved of her job at Arizona State University, said 37. There is a college, an honors college at Arizona State University called Barrett College. Honors College, get that? 37 of the members are just left-wing fools, which is redundant. It is not possible to be left. I'm not talking liberal. I'm not talking liberal. I'm not talking liberal. It's catching on my distinction because it is so important. People who differ with me say, yeah, but the liberals vote left. I know that. I'm talking about liberalism and leftism. Liberals do not vote uh, what they believe in. Leftists do and conservatives do. Liberals do not. In a nutshell, that is the tragedy of our country, the weakness of the liberal. The The left does evil. The right does largely good. And the the liberals vote for the evil. And that's the problem. But it, it, foolishness is a defining element of leftism. Anyway, these professors wrote that a condemned ASU for inviting Charlie Kirk and me to speak there. Charlie Kirk gave his entire talk, incidentally, on why he observes the Sabbath. That's that's hate talk. We were accused of being hate, haters and white nationalists, and I responded. Rare, it is rare in America that the left-wing faculty of our universities is so publicly attacked 
as I did in this talk two days ago in Phoenix, Arizona at the state capitol. Take it away, Sean Z. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. If you could uh, introduce yourself and... uh, Yeah, I am. I I began with hi, everybody. (laughs) That's a talk show host uh, habit. My name is Dennis Prager, and I am 40 years. I have been a radio talk show host with a national show. So I believe, among other things, I'm the longest ongoing talk show in America, which is relevant because if I were a purveyor of hate... It's odd to imagine I would have been on for 40 years and continue to be on. And uh, it's also relevant because I believe I have talked with, not to, but with more people than any living human being. It's not a boast. It's just a statement of I come to my views on life having actually talked with vast numbers of people from every background. There are people who are transgender who call my show, not to mention every other group that one can uh, imagine. The reason they feel free to is because they know I will not insult them and because I believe it is so critical to have my show open to anyone. The antithesis of what these 37 professors believe, I will come to them momentarily. I'm also the co-founder of Prager University or PragerU which has over a billion views a year, mostly of young people. We have uh, been the recipient of many attempts to suppress us on YouTube. The last time I was at a panel like this was in Washington uh, prior to uh, the lockdowns, and it it was on YouTube and Google. Google owns YouTube suppressing some of my own videos on PragerU. We have about 600 five-minute videos. They come out every week. I have done one-tenth of them. Nine-tenths are done by others. Among mine are 11 on the Ten Commandments. And one of them was, in fact, suppressed by Google. The Google representative, the YouTube Google man, was there in the Senate committee Senator Ted Cruz asked him, why did you suppress, why did you put Mr. Prager's video, why did you take it off the, uh, why did you put it on the restricted list so that children couldn't see it, libraries couldn't see it, schools couldn't see it, and he said with a straight face, because it mentions murder. So when it was my turn to speak, I said, we will now put out a Google-friendly Ten Commandments and remove thou shalt not murder. We will have a Nine Commandments video that will pass muster. It is the level of attempts to suppress that gives you the the absurdity to which uh, the left goes. And there is a reason I say the left. A, because I do not include liberals. Liberals do not hold leftist values. uh, And uh, there is nothing in common between leftism and liberalism. Liberals believe in Uh, Racial integration, leftists believe in racial segregation, like all the black dorms and black graduations on campuses. No liberal believes in that, only leftists do, and the Ku Klux Klan, for that matter. But I mention the left because there is no instance since the French Revolution of the left allowing free speech. Whether it was the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, 
or where I went to graduate school, Columbia University, which is now uh, uh, regarded as the most suppressive of free speech of all universities in the country, wherever the left takes over, there is no example in history of the left allowing dissent. So it is not surprising that we are convening on that issue here. It, if you allow dissent, you're a liberal or you're a conservative. But by definition, you are not a person of the left. So I have found PragerU. I have done my radio show. I've written 10 books. I'm writing the fourth volume of a five-volume commentary on the Torah, uh, the, uh, the first five books of the Bible, helped by my knowledge of biblical Hebrew. That's a real hater. Guys who write biblical commentaries are known as major haters in our civilization. I have a book on happiness, another classic example of hatred in this country, according to the lies told about me by 37 of your professors, all of whom have disgraced the name of Arizona State University. I will come to that in a moment. My life has been devoted to goodness, period, end of issue. I, that's all I care about, is that people be good to each other. I have no other primary concern. My entire theology is that God wants us to be good, not terribly complex. So therefore, to call me a hater or a white nationalist doesn't bother me, because it would be, if I said to any of you, you're a porcupine, you would not be troubled, because you know you're not a porcupine. There is a very famous libel in Jewish history, since I've written a book on anti-Semitism. I know, I know this well. Uh, there, there was a, a libel that uh, Jews would uh, take Christian children and butcher them before Passover to use their blood to bake matzah. It's called the blood libel. It's the most famous libel in history. Jews were murdered on, on mass, kicked out of all, all the Jews of England were kicked out on that charge. And it was a very interesting effect it had on Jews, because then they realized, wow, people really could make up total lies about you and believe it. Every Jew knew that it is not possible to kill a child, use their blood to bake matzah. You can't even drink animal blood, according to the Torah, if you're a Jew. So when I am called a white nationalist, it is equivalent to me of the blood libel. It is a pure, total, vicious lie. Therefore, it only reflects on the people who say it. They are despicable. It is an embarrassment to ASU that these people teach here. So let me read to you, since today is... Oh, one moment. We'll continue. That's right. Calling me a white nationalist would be like saying you're a porcupine. They have equal amounts of veracity. We'll be back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. On MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell at MyPillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You'll receive a queen-size MyPillow for $19.98 regular price. is $69.98 and just $10 more for a king size. 
You'll receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you had your eyes on. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio slash podcast square and use promo code Prager to receive this amazing offer on the queen size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 800-761-6302. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 today. Whenever I'm down, I call on you. Dennis Prager here, my speech. I'll let you know as soon as it's up on the internet. You can watch it if you're at the Salem News Channel as it's being played for you right now from the Arizona State Legislature about the 37 professors who condemned ASU for having me and then in in their open letter just lied about me. All they did was lie. Anyone who relies on Media Matters lies because that's what Media Matters does for a living. They distort what uh, what conservatives say. That That's their existence. It's an I guess it's meaningful to those who take part in it, as uh, all all those who are involved in deception think that they're doing something good. That is why I have a whole video at PragerU on the general uselessness of the conscience. Behavior makes conscience far more than conscience makes behavior. The Arizona Republic has an editorial today condemning the hearing and saying that the professors, this is, this is an amazing line, this is in the biggest paper in Arizona, the Arizona Republic, and it's in a, a, a big editorial, and it says, any reasonable person could conclude that he agrees Kirk and Prager spew hateful viewpoints which the professors painstakingly documented in their letter. Wow. Any reasonable person could conclude that Charlie Kirk and I spew hateful viewpoints. I'm sure she's deeply familiar with my work. A thousand articles, uh, columns, a thousand on the internet. Hateful? You may disagree, but hateful? This editorial is hateful. (laughs) That's the irony. (laughs) When I started my life's mission, which I wrote in my high school diary, influencing people to the good, I didn't realize, and this is not a lament, it's just an insight, I did not realize how difficult it is to promote goodness. I, I, the Arizona Republic editorial writer proves my point. I think race is insignificant. I think that that is an application of goodness to the issue of race. I divide the world between the decent and the indecent as the Holocaust survivor psychoanalyst Viktor Frankl said, 
in his magnum opus, Man's Search for Meaning. She, the editorial writer for the Arizona Republic, clearly thinks that that's hate speech. Yes, the University of California says if you say there's only one race, the human race, that's hate speech. It's hate speech if you oppose all black dormitories or all black or all gay or all Hispanic graduation exercises. That's what I mean by liberals don't vote their values. They vote for the people who have segregated graduation exercises, the people who were the biggest champions of racial integration. Vote for the people who are the biggest champions of racial segregation. The liberal is a puzzle. The left is not, and the right is not. We continue with my talk at the Arizona State Legislature. My Tuesday column came out today, and it is about the ASU issue. So this is what is in my column. It's at Town Hall. It's at my own website. It will be at Daily Wire. The... uh, Uh, many uh, Jewish uh, journals as well. The charge of my being a white nationalist is as vicious as it is libelous. It would be impossible to find a written word in my 10 books or more than a thousand columns, all available on the internet, or an uttered sentence in 40 years of broadcasting that expresses sympathy with white nationalism. I am a religious Jew who hates white nationalism. The doctrine that murdered two out of every three of Europe's Jews just a few years before I was born. My father, an Orthodox Jew, joined the U.S. Navy and risked his life to fight that evil. As anyone who has heard or read me can testify, the motto of my life, taken from Viktor Frankl's classic Man's Search for Meaning, is that, quote, there are only two races, the decent and the indecent. Unlike the professors and the rest of the left, I divide people by morality, good and bad, not race or class. So given the dishonesty of the smears, why did the 34 or 37 professors condemn ASU for having me come to speak at the university? So I have a theory. I know why, I know exactly why they condemned ASU for inviting me. They fear any conservative coming for 90 minutes. Because in 90 minutes, I can undo four years of the indoctrination that these leftists give their students. They are scared of me, of Charlie Kirk, of Ben Shapiro, of Jordan Peterson, of Heather McDonald. We will undo the garbage, the lies, the fraud, the intellectual idiocies that they purvey in 90 minutes. They are, and by the way, they're right. We do undo everything they do in 90 minutes. That's why they're scared to have us. It makes perfect sense. There is no other reason, and I'll prove it to you. I will come here. I live in California. I will come here and debate any one, any three, any ten, all 37, happily, Under any circumstance you want, you can have a left-wing moderator, and I'll come and debate. But they won't debate for the same reason they don't come on my radio show. I invite them. I will give them a million listeners. You just give me 200, and they won't do it. All right, we'll continue. I have a hero on the line. I don't use the term often, and in fact... 
We don't have her on the phone. So should we continue with my Phoenix speech? Yeah, I guess so. Well, we will have her because she is a hero. Bridget Ziegler, Vice President of School Board Leadership Programs at the Leadership Institute. And what she's doing on behalf of children to protect them from the left is uh, is heroic. All right, we continue then with my speech in Phoenix, Arizona. They don't debate. They smear. These are vicious. They are the hate people. These are the haters. The 37 are the haters. That's why they didn't come today. They're afraid of this hearing. And they're right. You expose these people and they be, you, you realize what intellectual and moral lightweights they are. Every single one of them. I looked up every single one of them. I did a lot of homework. It was fun. I actually looked up their bios on, the, on your website. Mm-hmm. On, uh, uh, so I, I listed a few of those. So here's, here's one winner. Forgive me. I have to use the expletive because otherwise, it, it, look, the ASU website spells it out so I could pronounce it. So here's an example of one of those who signed the, uh, the petition. Dagmar van Engen. Uh, let's see, whose, quote, current project argues that transness is central to queer and feminist science and is the author of How to F*** a Kraken, Cephalopodid Sexualities and Non-Binary Genders in e-book. Oh, excuse me, e-book erotica. Now, that's something you really want your kid in Arizona to study, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's that. That obviously ASU is proud of this professor. This is described in this in this case their uh, autobiography or some other really critical stuff. David Agris has done research in gender and sexuality studies. Did any of them not do research in gender? Is there any other subject at ASU at Barrett? Post-colonial studies, queer theory and animal studies, filed a lawsuit against Montana State University saying he was denied tenure and fired because he was gay. You think there's a university in this country that would fire you because you're gay? I mean, it's possible, extremely unlikely. Joseph O'Neill recently said a, uh, led a seminar on the, quote, whitewashing of ancient Greece and Rome. Any of you know what that means? Rachel Fedak, whose research interests include feminist ethics, black feminism, abolition, gender, race. This is just a few of the, uh, of the people who signed this. But what is worse is that's, they who, those are the people who teach at an honors college here. So, a few more points worthy of being made. See, I covered white nationalism, I've covered debating. I really do. The offer on the debate is a very real one. The author to have them on my radio show. I will give them my million-plus audience to defend their lie, their despicable lie that I am a white nationalist, that this Jew who has fought his life against the goddamn Nazis is a white nationalist. These people are vicious. 
They are lowlifes. Every one of the 37 is a lowlife. Oh, yes. Something, what should be said to these people is what was said to Eugene McCarthy, who, who charged people with being communists who were not communists. He charged some people it's who were communists. Joe McCarthy, being I made him intellectually honest. But he also charged people who were not. And you know how it ended? Somebody looked at him in the Senate and said, have you no shame, sir? Will anybody at ASU say to these 37, have you no shame, sir? Will one of the deans, will one of the God knows thousand in administration, one say, have you no shame? Will anyone here say that? That's cowardice if you don't say that. But cowardice is the human norm. That's why there's so much evil in the world. Because cowardice is the human norm. We'll continue in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everybody. Well, I have the woman who is a reason for hope in this country, Bridget Ziegler, Vice President of School Board Leadership Programs at the Leadership Institute. She's a mother turned activist and now a major figure in the campaign to get conservative parents on school boards. It is, uh, I, I would even put it differently, to get parents who understand the damage that so many schools are doing on school boards. Bridget, is that a fair way of describing you? Thank you so much. No, it, it is indeed to really understand the gravity of what's at stake. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to see that more and more people are really waking up and, and doing and take, and doing their part to, to restore the education and direction of this country. So what exactly are you doing? Are you training people to get on school boards? What are you doing? So we do it in three different, there are three kind of pegs to the school. It's all about activism, understanding how to be effective in advocating for your child or how, how the system, and it truly is a system, works, um, how to run for office and win, um, and then when you're elected, which is the most important part, um, how to be an effective school board member, which is a public servant. Um, the National School Board Association has had a monopoly on the development, professional development for elected school board members, and that's largely why we are where we are. Um, and so one thing that we do at the Leadership Institute is it, once our people get elected, and a lot of them are um, new, uh, never been politically active before, we make sure that they have the tools to, to hold the line um, because that system is large and powerful and groupthink um, is, is, should never be underestimated. And, and we won't get anywhere if we, if we are not able to hold the line once they're elected. So we do all of that. Um, and we're all across the country, and, and thousands of people have taken our training. We've had great success rates, and we look forward to more, um, and, we, and we need to be prepared for the long game here. So you're in the trenches on this issue. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. You're a mother. Left-wing women are often mothers. How do they defend the schools subjecting five-year-olds, six-year-olds to sexual content. What, what is their defense? 
It's a great question. So it's a couple of different things that I've seen. Uh, some don't believe it's happening, and they genuinely think that it's a lot of fodder out there for political warfare, despite showing actual evidence, which is, to me doesn't really make sense, but they don't believe it to be true. Um, and the others are so off the charts that I don't, I have no way to reconcile how you could validate that this is appropriate in any way, shape, or form. The, the one other thing I'll say is, which gives me a lot of hope, and I'll use California as an example because they're so far off. See, you know this. <laughs> so far off, they're almost falling off the cliff. But there are a lot of people who are self-proclaimed lifelong progressives, and they are now seeing what's truly happening. And I think many refer to it as a cult. You don't know you're in a cult until you're out of it. Um, and many, sadly, have recognized what the education institution is doing to young children, the exploitation that's happening, because it happened to their own children. And once it happened to their own children, particularly with the gender ideology um, uh, cult, for lack of a better term, uh, it, 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 has, it has caused serious um, awakenings for many people um, on the left as well. And, um, and they're participating in rising up and, and, and fighting back. And so that's an important, important piece. So that's reason for optimism. But getting back to your answer to my question, I just want to emphasize this for my listeners. How many deny that it is happening? I have relatives who are dear people who vote for the Democrats, the party of the school boards. And the general response is, well, if it's happening... It's just a bunch of kooks, and there are kooks on both sides. Is that is that a common response? Yes, or they don't think it's as pervasive as uh, some people say. And I would argue, even if and it is pervasive, but even if it was minor, it's still inappropriate. Um, there is the, the the evidence of books like Gender Queer and. Um, the the you know directional uh, professional development telling par- telling staff to withhold information from parents it, it's lunacy um, and it's so far away from the mission of education um, that it's alarming. Yes, it is. So, <laughs> uh, what is your record? Do you keep a batting average? People that you uh, tutor, as it were, how many are getting onto school boards? So we had the last, so we are, we are fine tuning it because I'm a big data person, but we are, our win ratio of what we were able to capture, um, kind of jumping on in, uh, starting last July, um, is over 80% win ratio, which is pretty incredible. Um, you have to consider these are low, uh, down ballot, uh, elections, very important, but they don't raise a, a lot of money oftentimes. So incumbents have tremendous, um, advantage. Uh, however, given the climate, we saw over uh, 97 uh, school board winners beat incumbents, and that's uh, unbelievable. Um, and uh, so that's, again, a reason for hope. Um, and we are seeing more people right. step up. Uh, I, we're going to take a break. I'm going to come back. And I want to understand what school boards can do to, to change yep. the the, the decimation of our youth that the left is engaged in. Bridget Ziegler is my guest. 
Bridget Ziegler is one of the most important Americans at this time. Vice President of School Board Leadership Programs at the Leadership Institute. Major figure in getting people who actually want what is good for children on school boards. So we don't have a lot of time, so I have few questions left. One is, let's say they get on school boards. What can they change? Do we have Bridget on? Yep. Can you hear me? No, I hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Uh, What you can change is policies, and they have a substantial impact at the end of the day to ensure the direction and protection of your school district and your children's education. Um, It's very important that elected school board members understand they're a public servant and they need to communicate with their community and constituents so they know what's going on, which plays a vital role in establishing um, positive change for policy, uh, which will protect students. All right. Well, let's be specific. So School Mm -hmm. X has drag queen story hour for five-year-olds. We -hmm. now have a majority of people who believe that that is as wrong as you can get in the treatment of children, robbing them of their God-given right to innocence. What can they do? Uh, Day one would be to either create a resolution or proclamation or policy, sadly, that would institute, uh, that would specifically say that uh, that no school will provide or allow or partner with any um, organization or provide uh, any or, or participate in any activity that would include drag queens in any K through 12 school. It's sad we have to go to this, but this is, in fact, the kind of things that can and, happen. And, and, and let's say the teacher doesn't want to listen to it. There you go. Accountability. So the job of the school board member is policy, accountability, and budget. So if they make a policy and that is not followed, they're one person that they are, their one employee is the superintendent. If the superintendent doesn't hold that staff member accountable, it's the obligation of the school board to hold the superintendent accountable. And that means getting rid of them if they are not willing to hold the line and follow the policies and direction of that elected school board. School boards appoint superintendents? That's correct. Well, there are there are some anomalies, even in the state of Florida. Only three states still have some areas that elect their superintendent, but the supermajority of okay, fine. the country. How do people help you? Um, the biggest place to go is make sure you go to leadershipinstitute.org. It's find us, request a training, um, and we'll come out to you. But the biggest part I want to tell your viewers, listeners, is it's not enough just to get people elected. The people in the community need to stay involved and stay engaged and continue to support the elected Great. officials that get across the line. God bless you, Bridget Ziegler. Thank you. Thank you. Did you know that close to 90% of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. are produced outside of the U.S.? So what happens when the next global crisis strikes? Countries clamp down on exports, they stockpile, the prices of drugs rise, and the pharmaceutical shelves in America are empty. That's where the Wellness Company can help. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit holds eight life-saving medications that every American should keep 
in his or her home. If you have Tylenol, you should have this kit. The kit contains antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics like amoxicillin, ivermectin, z and more. It also includes a 22-page guidebook with instructions on safe usage. From benign tick bites to extreme bioterror events, every scenario is covered. Head to twc.health Prager and grab your medical emergency kit. That's twc.health slash Prager. Code Prager to save 10% at checkout. This is the emergency kit that you want to have on hand. Be safe, be prepared, and stay well. Kits are only available in the USA. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here. You know there's a soldier who has fled to North Korea. A U.S. soldier. I'm sorry for having this sort of devilish smile on my face. He was wanted for a number of alleged crimes committed while in the U.S. in the U.S. Army in in South Korea. It is hard to characterize it accurately, the idiocy of trying to escape to North Korea. How about this? Dead from the neck up. Dead from the neck up. That's your characterization of the gentleman. So, my heart goes out to parents whose children are wayward, to put it as sweetly as possible. But the mother came out with a line, asked about the defection, as it were, to North Korea. Uh, she, She said something to the effect, I can't believe he would do something like that. I mean, who believes their child would do something like that? <laughs> who has a child who would who would go to North, escape to North Korea? Um, I think he should uh, get a chance to live in North Korea for a while, and you know he may like it. It's, I don't know what the North Koreans w- will do. I'm not sure they're crazy about having him there either. I, I, it's, it'll be one of these anecdotes. No, a, not anecdotes. It'll be one of these footnotes that history will have reported and be forgotten. But I, I am, I am following the case. I, he does not. He does not realize what he did. Escape to North Korea. Nigel Farage, whom we've had on the show here. Why Britain's most prestigious bank canceled Nigel Farage. So you remember this happened in Canada at the direction of Prime Minister Trudeau, where the... The truckers who did not want to be forced to have a vaccine went on strike. And he actually had their bank accounts uh, canceled, or if not canceled, unusable. This is going to happen more and more often. Remember, there is no example of the left coming to power and freedom being allowed. It doesn't exist. Wherever they can suppress dissent, they do suppress freedom of speech, they do. And their hope is to be able to control your life like the Chinese communist government does. 
where you will have a social score and that will enable you to travel both within China and abroad, get jobs, have a bank account, etc. Technology will be used in order to control people. Nigel Farage is one of the most prominent people in Britain, certainly it's most prominent conservative. And this is from, where is this from, Politico? That's interesting. He always said the UK establishment was out to get him. Now Nigel Farage has the receipts. Britain's most prominent Brexiteer has produced a 12,000-word document from the bank Coots. Is that right? C-O-U-T-T-S. Which, according to Farage, reveals the truth behind the forced closure of his account there. The former Brexit party leader has been embroiled in a row with the institution, so esteemed it has served successive generations of the royal family. After Coots canceled his account earlier this month, Farage said at the time that no reason was given, but subsequent media reports, including in the BBC, cited a minimum wealth threshold Farage no longer met. Now an internal document from Coots obtained by Farage through a subject access request. That would be, I guess, their FOA, their equivalent to Freedom of Information. Well, FOA is not Freedom of Information. <laughs> that would be FOI. It's not, I think, yeah. Anyway, Freedom of Information. He made to the bank and published in full by the Daily Mail shows it wanted to drop him as a client long before and used his controversial public profile as justification. A briefing presented to the bank's Reputational Risk Committee, wow, said Farage is considered by many to be a disingenuous grifter with xenophobic, chauvinistic, and racist views and suggests it could dump him once he paid off his mortgage and dropped below its wealth criteria. The document cites his comments on Brexit, his friendship with former U.S. President Donald Trump, and controversial tennis star Novak Djokovic. You know why Djokovic is controversial? Why They don't tell you why in the political, political article. I want everybody to know why he's a Serbian, the greatest tennis player alive today, presumably, because he wouldn't get vaccinated. <laughs> when you, when anybody reads this and don't, doesn't know the particular, they will think this Djokovic makes some fascist comments, you know, or, or, or you know, says Hitler was a good man. He wouldn't be vaccinated. Neither was I, by the way just for the record, which renders me controversial. Also, it renders me healthy. It flags his views on the COVID vaccine and unevidenced links to Russia. What are they talking about? Unevidenced links to Russia? Even they admit it's unevidenced links? So you understand why he's lost his bank account, Nigel Farage? Because they don't like him. That's it. That's the only reason. The committee did not think continuing to bank NF, that's Nigel Farage, was compatible with Coots, 
given his publicly stated views that were at odds with our position as an inclusive organization. What did he say that's not inclusive? This was not a political decision, but one centered around inclusivity and purpose. That is the bank statement. Get it? That's not political. Inclusivity is not political. In a section titled Key Risks, the Coots Committee says, there is a lot of adverse press relating to NF, Nigel Farage, and states Farage is a high profile and actively courts controversy. And therefore you cannot have a bank account at this bank? Are you not watching what the left is doing in every arena of life? Constricting and constricting your freedoms? Referring to a support for Trump in defense of sexual harassment allegations made against the ex-president, the document, what does that mean? Defense of sexual harassment allegations made against the ex-president. First of all, it's poorly written. They mean defense of the president against sexual harassment allegations. The document states his comments, quote, are distasteful and appear increasingly out of touch with wider society. So you can't bank with this bank if you're out of touch with wider society? May I say that in the history of the world, the only people who have done good are those who are not in touch with the wider society. As I have said so often, all good is done by outliers. Not all outliers do good, but all good is done by outliers. This is a very scary thing that is happening in Britain. Wow. City Minister Andrew Griffith said at a statement Wednesday that it would be of serious concern if financial services were being denied to anyone exercising their right to lawful free speech. Businesses have the right to protect against real risks to their reputation, for example, from criminal activity. But the privilege of a banking license in a democracy should imply a duty not to debank simply because you don't agree with someone's views. That's correct. It's coming here. There are a lot of bad things coming here from the left. We shall return. The Dennis Prager Show. Here's another piece of the time in which we live. Sam Houston University. Houston... What is it? No. So Sam Houston State University. Is that the full title of the of the university? Let me see. Let me take a look here. I, I'm Sam Houston. Yes, it is. Sam Houston State University. Okay. You'll be happy to know the following. You can now study. You can, there is now a department of Victim Studies at Sam Houston State University. Remember I've said to you for years 
You got a BA in ingratitude, a master's in ingratitude, and a PhD in ingratitude at American universities. And if this is this teaches you to be an ingrate, except if you're white, heterosexual, male, and Christian, then you are the worst. You are the victimizer. Amazing the power those people have over the rest of the society. This is from PJ Media, a great website. <laughs> I could say I wish this were satire. Sam Houston State University now offers degrees. Oh, you can get a degree in it? It's not just a department? Did you know that? Yes, yeah, a semester. You can get a, de- a degree? Do you want to tell people to say, oh, really? Why did you, why'd you get your... Uh, What'd you get your degree in? Victim studies. Do you think in victim studies they teach about the victims of Soviet communism? Chinese communism? For that matter, the Holocaust? The biggest victims of the 20th century, I'll bet, are not even on the list. Thank thank goodness useless ignoramuses can now spend thousands of dollars to be indoctrinated into the worst of woke ideology and learn how the system is oppressive even as they live a privileged lifestyle inaccessible to more than 99% of all humans. The American education system has now become a blatant joke, but it's not a funny joke. This is from the Sam Houston State College, State University website. The Department of Victim Studies is the very first in the nation, exclamation point. In this department, students have the opportunity to work with faculty who are passionate. That's what you want, passionate faculty. It's so unsophisticated, the destruction of education by the left is is obvious to all who watch it happening who are passionate about issues pertaining to victimization and care about sharing that interest. They don't teach you at Sam Houston. They share their passion. Isn't that beautiful? That's what you want your kids to get, the shared passion of their instructors. Funny, I taught at college. I thought my primary role was to convey information not share passion. Students in both the undergraduate and graduate program will take courses that directly relate to victims. How will they choose the victims? That was part of my question. <laughs> Students also, for example, will they will they pick on people Males at college who've been falsely accused of rape? Well, it's a rhetorical question. Students also have the opportunity to participate in research with faculty, become involved in the community through civic engagement projects in courses, and participate in events through the student organization housed in the the, the department 
the Crime Victim Services Alliance. The website adds that the department works with the Crime Victims Institute to research victimization. Well, the university website does list potential careers for victim study grads. <laughs> That's a good, they should, because it's tough, tough to think off the top of one's head. Let's see, the Victim Service Agency, Social Service Agency, Police Department, Law Enforcement, Correctional Facility, Community Corrections, Child and Adult Protective Services, At-Risk Programs, Legal Advocacy, Nonprofit Organizations. Uh, all right. Anyway, just thought you ought to know. wonder what tuition at Sam Houston State University is. It's actually in the class. It's in the college catalog. Undergraduate catalog 2023-2024. Department of Victim Studies. Well, look at that. Shockingly, three of the four, well, actually more. There, no, no, three of the four directors are female. Brianna Lynn Bopri, PhD, Assistant Professor of Victim Studies, Department of Victim Studies. Ph.D., University of Nevada at Las Vegas. Shelley Lynn Clevenger, Ph.D., Associate Professor and Chair of Victim Studies. <sighs> Philip Mulvey, Ph.D., Associate Professor of Victim Studies. And Kathleen Renee Rutachak, Ph.D., Assistant Professor of Victim Studies i got to look these people up. Be back in a moment. Is In-N-Out Burger a national uh, uh, chain, do you know? Or is it just in the West? So I think the most popular burger place, and I say that because whenever I pass an In-N-Out Burger, I see a very long lineup of cars. I can't say that about any other burger place. In-N-Out has announced the following. They have said, our employees may not wear masks. We want you to communicate with our customers better. We want them to see your faces. And you can wear a mask if you have a medical note saying you must. Otherwise, you can't. So look at this headline for Breitbart. Leftists call to boycott in and out over new mask policy. Leftists have been calling on people to boycott the California fast food empire in and out for its new policy requiring employees in certain states to present a medical note if they wish to wear a mask to work. That's great. That is just great. We want people who interact with our people to actually see our people. 
I think that's reasonable. When I encounter young people at Starbucks wearing a mask, I am filled with a combination of pity, and I admit, I'm sorry, I admit it, I don't act this way, and you know by belief, actions matter much more, infinitely more than thoughts. I think disdain and I act respectfully. But I I do. For adults too. Now, I understand there's a voice in me that says maybe there really is a reason. Maybe they have an elderly parent in their house and feel that they have to protect them because of comorbidities with a weakened defense system. Of course, it it does avoid the point. You're not more or less likely to get COVID because of wearing a mask. With the exception of, what are they, N32? What, what are they called? N95. Why did I get my, where did I get 32 from? Oh, I know why. Remember the great runner for the Cleveland Browns, Jimmy Brown? Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Wasn't he number 32? Yeah. All right, that's, so now I know. Isn't that a link that everybody would make between the mask and a great running back for the Cleveland Browns? Yeah. So that's how my mind works. Are you surprised I knew Jim Brown A and B knew his number? His number, yes, that you knew him. Yes. By the way, what was Jackie Robinson's number? 42. 42. So you might want to wear an N42 mask in honor of Jackie Robinson. That I, I get. I get. Sean does that. In fact, Sean has an N7 in honor of Mickey Mantle, an N3 in honor of Babe Ruth. That's uh, That, to me, makes as much sense as any of the other masks. <laughs> you, you know what people who wear masks now don't understand? They, it's not a private decision. Wearing a mask in public affects the public. That's why I have always, among other reasons opposed the Muslim veil. It dehumanizes the person. We know humans by their face. Rightly or wrongly, that is how we know you and how you know me. By my face, by your face. Hiding the face is to hide from the public. It doesn't do the public good. Society is hurt by every mask wearer. Just as you believe, I assume, society is hurt by every veil wearer. I know the reasons are different, but the effect is identical. If you oppose the veil, you must oppose the mask. We return. The Dennis Prager Show. 
Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here, the winner of the 2023 Clear Thinker Award is my guest, Carol Roth, the annual Dennis Prager Clear Thinker Award. I really ought to do that, but the thing is, thank God, there's there's more than one, but she is definitely on the top of the list. I've had her on whenever she's written a book. I think I've had her on even when she didn't write a book. Carol Roth is a former, what is, I love this term in her bio, a recovering investment banker. I love that. You Will Own Nothing is her book. Your War with a New Financial World Order and How to Fight Back. Now, by the way, if you could see the book, you would see it says, You Will Own Nothing, but crossed out between own and nothing are words, a house, a car, a business, stocks, your life. They're all crossed out. Carol Roth, welcome back to the Dennis Prager Show. Dennis, it's always fantastic to be with you. Wow. So uh, did you place the Prager Clear Thinker Award on on your mantle in in your living room? I actually wear it around my neck. I want everyone to see it. So it's like a piece piece of jewelry. You're kind of like I'm a rapper, and I put the Dennis Prager Clear Thinker Award right right on a, you know, like a a big, almost like an Olympic medal. That's how I like to to put to uh, to show everybody. You you, you also get the Quick Mind uh, Award. <laughs> I must I must say, this is about as distressing a topic as I could have on the show, and I covered distressing topics for a living. Uh, is the is the leader in the movement to have us own nothing? The World Economic Forum. So the way that I portray it in the book is that we are in a world war. I call it World War F, meaning that it's a financial war, but we're also F'd. <laughs> and basically, there are three different sets of forces that are coming at you, and it is the government and government-adjacent forces. So think about the Federal Reserve and, and Congress and, and the rest of government. It is the bad actors, and the World Economic Forum is certainly a piece of that and and certainly where I got the title, but it's also the U.N. and and big business. And then there's a category for big tech, because big tech is acting as a de facto government in many ways. They want want to rent our lives back to us as a subscription or a service, so they get their very own category. And, And all of these forces... You know, they, they sometimes they work together and sometimes they work alone, but it just means we have a lot of battles that we need to fight in order to fight back and preserve ownership in the American dream. I reported to my listeners something I found on the Internet, which was quite big and went pretty much non-reported, and it was a, a rather large gathering in Europe, I don't know which city, and mostly young people. The the head of it is a green member of the European Parliament, and it was titled Beyond Growth. You familiar with that? I, I am not familiar with that, but there are so many of these different organizations that are out and about. And you have to remember that second piece of the World Economic Top Predictions for 2030, you'll own nothing. They say you'll be happy. 
they're trying to get young people to buy into this concept of non-ownership as a good thing for them, not realizing that throughout history that people who didn't have ownership were not only poor, they were unfree, they weren't happy, and many of them lost their lives. So the fact that you're saying there's this organization, they're targeting these young people, is very much on trend. And the young people feel so desperate at this point because you know they don't believe that they can have ownership or here in the U.S., the American dream, that they're, they're almost putting up this defense mechanism and saying, okay, well, I'll just pretend that I didn't want this in the first place, and that will protect me if I fail in, in obtaining it. That's, that's what you think is a motivator. I mean, I just want, again, my listeners to understand it's, it's beyond Orwellianism. You will own nothing and be happy. So who, who I, I know that that has, is being said. Can you identify any of those who say that? So this comes, as I said, from the World Economic Forum, their top prediction uh, for the top eight predictions for 2030. But you have to remember who the World Economic Forum is. It is littered with the business and the global elite. So if they're predicting the end of private property, it doesn't bode well for those of us who know that ownership um, is the key to creating wealth. You have to have assets that you know you have the, that have the opportunity to appreciate and value or or at least maintain their value now I believe this is part of their number two prediction, which is that the u s will no longer be the world's leading superpower, and that's why we talk about this new financial world order, new world order, which also sounds very conspiratorial and Dennis, I can tell you who said that that was Joe Biden. He said that you know and this is by the way on the the White House's website right now. Go look up his speech to the business roundtable from march twenty first twenty twenty two which has the CEOs of all the major corporate Operations, uh, in the United States, and he talks about these cycles that happen, that, you know, that the financial world order shifts every three or four generations, which is true. You know, we're about 80 years into our run at the global center of the universe, but before us it was the British, and before the British it was the Dutch. And then he says there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And so it's Biden speaking with these business executives, and they're really putting it in that we category. And if you think about the phrasing of you will own nothing, it's not we will own nothing. They don't think that they're the ones that will own nothing. It's you. And I really think that's what this is all about. They see these global financial stakes shifting, and they want to make sure that they're the ones that are controlling the resources and keeping their power and their wealth. And, oh, you know, if your freedoms and your ownership you know, have to go away, that's fine. And even better, if we can get you to buy into it and not have to force it upon you, well, that's just a, a better path forward for us. All right, so w- walk me through this. Bill Gates, I assume, is is one of those because he's big at WEF and elsewhere. So when they say you will own nothing and be happy, your emphasis is on the word you, which is a very, very, no, it's a very important insight. People don't think that. Not we will own nothing. So he will continue to own the staggering amount of farmland in America, for example? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we've seen uh, you know, throughout my research for the book 
uh, was the the fact that the most wealthy and well-connected in the U.S. have been buying up land, particularly productive land, so farmland, uh, land that you can ranch on, as well as water rights. This was a this was a crazy story from the book. Is that uh, out in California, all of these wineries were being bought up for the water rights underneath them, and somebody, this entity was called Brodea, was paying these crazy prices, and they're like, "There's no way that somebody could could make this work financially." And they found out later it was Harvard University's endowment. And I always call Harvard a hedge fund with a university attached to it. And they're taking this endowment and they're using it to buy up things like water rights. So they're investing in these kinds of things. They're making sure that they have those hard assets and that ownership so they can continue to drive their wealth and they can continue, frankly, in many cases, to control the resources. I mean, that was a a big takeaway here, too, is that, you know, with farmland turning over, um, a lot of of families, they may be land rich, but they're cash poor. And so they are selling their farms and they're selling them a lot of times to, to folks like Bill Gates and other wealthy people and corporations. And then these farmers have to work the land, but rent it back from them. And there are all kinds of examples that I talk about in You Will Own Nothing about renting the American dream, including corporations, Wall Street corporations, who are now coming in and competing with you for a single-family home. This did not exist before 2010. And Fed policy gave cheap and available capital to Wall Street And now at the end of 2022, Dennis, one in every five homes that was sold was sold to a corporate buyer who wants to take that biggest asset on household balance sheets, that symbol of the American dream, the way that families create legacy wealth, and they want to rent that back from you and take that money and make Wall Street richer while, you know, you are basically their indentured servant. The book is you will own nothing carol roth a truly significant book up at dennisprager.com and we will continue speaking to and with carol roth the book you will own nothing your war with the new financial world order and how to fight back It's the truth, my friends. That is exactly what they aim for. By the way, when did the book come out, or when does it come out? So it came out on Tuesday, so you can get it in your hot little hands right away. I know you got the the early peek at it, but it's uh, starting to arrive now. So you're on with the book two days old. Correct. Hmm. That's exciting. I'm very happy for you. I wish you didn't. Have, you. I wish you didn't have to write the book. It's actually you took, you took you took the words right out of my mouth. As I say, this is a book I didn't want to have to write, yeah. but I thought it was incredibly important it to is. write. I'm sorry. Yeah, do I, go ahead, please. Yeah, I want to go back to something that you. I didn't want to interrupt you earlier. I think you had a very interesting take on why would a young person find the idea of owning nothing positive? Why don't you amplify on that? 
So if you think about something like homeownership, the young people have gotten it on both sides. They've gotten the fact that you have corporations coming in and driving up the prices of homes as well as a lot of regulation. The government, you know, meddling in the labor market. There's not enough laborers out there, so we don't have enough supply of homes. The prices have gone up. And they've also saddled them with predatory college loans. The, the government is the largest predatory lender in the country, in my opinion, and they have been transferring wealth from kids who sometimes are minors at the time that they sign up. They transfer that wealth from the kids to colleges and their administrators uh, for you know, degrees that basically don't return an investment to them. So their balance sheets are completely wrecked. And they have five and six figures worth of debt that they have to service for years upon years upon years. And so you're not only are the houses unaffordable, but even if they wanted to, they don't have any money that they can put down into that. And so these kids are feeling very destitute. They, they feel like this American dream is out of reach. How are they ever possibly going to get into a situation where they can own these kinds of things? So they just internalize that, okay, you know, I'm going to put up that defense shield. Like if I think I'm going to fail at something, then I put that front out to the world that, hey, this isn't what I wanted anyway. It protects you from an, on an emotional level, or at least they believe that it protects them on an emotional level, that if they fail, they can just say, well, it wasn't what they had wanted anyway. And these kids are being conditioned everywhere for non-ownership, you know, whether it's, you know, cars. We have fewer kids who are getting their driver's licenses, their participation in the digital worlds, where I say they're, they're, they're trading return on investment, ROI, for ROE, return on ego. They get clicks and they get likes and they get views, but they can't pay the rent with that, and they certainly can't buy a house with that. So they're really buying into this concept that it's going to make them happy to, to go through this YOLO life without any ownership, probably to protect themselves because they believe that's going to be their outcome. I think there's a tremendous amount of truth in that, and I'm, I'm grateful because I didn't think of it. The... That explains the conference that I watched on uh, Riveted, hours I watched it, uh, the Beyond Growth. And it was, as I said, 90% were young people, uh, mostly, I assume, Europeans, because it was in Europe, but there were Americans there. All the speakers were European. And that they have truly bought into which is part of you will own nothing, I assume, or you will own nothing is part of this, their, their whole thesis was we have been misled by the idea that the economies should grow. And that's why it's called beyond growth. They are literally for minus growth, minus economic growth. But your reasoning is fascinating they are rationalizing, in effect, the lousy condition that they have been handed or think they have been handed. If you can't do X, it's, it sounds better and makes you feel better if you become anti-X. That's what you're saying? 
It, it's true, and I think, you know, it, it goes back to the people being told that either you're a victim or you have opportunity. If you are told that you're a victim, you will behave, you will step into that role. If you're told that you can succeed and that you have opportunity and the world is your oyster, then you step into that role. And so they have been told that they are victims. They have you know, been saddled with debt. They see the, the economic reality, which is shifting more money away from young people to older people, from Main Street to Wall Street. And it's not, like you said, it's not just happening here in the U.S. The housing issue that we talked about from a U.S. perspective is also happening in Canada and the U.K. and Netherlands. And so these young people being disenfranchised uh, buy into it as a, a psychological protection method. So if I were to ask one of these young people who believes uh, in this uh, that it's best to own nothing, I'll say, so where will you live? What will their answer be? Well, it depends on the person, but, you know, oh, well, the, the government can provide housing or we can collectively get some housing together or maybe I'll just stay with my parents because, you know, that's the situation I've been put in now. Perhaps they haven't really thought through that because if you read some of the things the young people put out, you know, it's clearly that they're in sort of this this fantasy land of despair. Yep. And I don't know that they've really kind of That's thought right. through fantasy the implication. That's right, fantasy land of despair. Okay, yeah. folks, this is the book to really explain the future that the elites want for us. You will own nothing, Carol Roth, up at DennisPrager.com. Carol, thank you. Thank you as always, Dennis. Appreciate you. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.